thank you for joining me on what is a very special episode 150 who'd have thought we'd have got to 150 well we have and there's still so much more to do but i'm really pleased that for this special episode we have three amazing team leaders from our industry charlotte moody parveen jamal and phil berry all work for ddc os and are perfect examples of why we love this industry hope you enjoy the show so for this 150th episode i am super excited to say it is a team leader special and i'm joined by three amazing team leaders from ddc os and so phil charlotte and pav welcome to get out a wrap hello hello hi Martin. Hi. how are you doing I'm good, thanks. And it's long overdue that we we talk about the role that everyone everyone in our industry always says, "Oh, team leaders are the most important people." And to my to my shame, even after 150 episodes, I haven't spent enough time on it. So we're gonna we're gonna right some wrongs today. <laughs> so, Phil, how how long have you been a team leader? Hello, yes. Hello. So I've been a team leader for, oh, it'll be about six years now, altogether, officially, six years. Because, <laughs> you know, in contact centers, you know what happens, don't you? You know, you, you're, a, you're, an, you're an agent, then you start doing lead agent stuff, and then, you know, you kind of get promoted to do the lead agent stuff. And then as a lead agent, you end up doing managed stuff. So, you know, so officially it's been about six years it's a really it's an interesting point straight off the bat because yeah i think what you guys will know and we'll probably talk about you get given projects and then that means there's some things you can't do with your team so the more senior people in your team you go oh could you just do x y and z and pretty soon as the agent you're going i'm doing x y and z a lot (laughs) but i like Mm -hmm. it (laughs) yeah absolutely and i found that it it's it's kind of been the same all the way through my career, really. You know, even even now. So I'm I'm kind of in an interesting position at the minute because I've been doing some operations management for the last couple of months, and I'm due to actually go back to being a team manager. So I've been managing team managers, and I'm due to go back to being a team manager in a couple of, in a couple of weeks' time. So I'm in a really really unique position, I suppose, of kind of you know, getting promoted and then, oh, I'm going to have to go back, back to being a TL, but that doesn't, that doesn't worry me in any way because, mm. you know, I've been doing it for so long. It's, it's, that's a nice, that's a really nice progressive way of, of looking at it. Cause I think you'll come back with more like an enlightened view of the oh, world. Absolutely. Yeah. That I'm just really, really grateful for the experience and the, and the, the opportunity that I've had to be able to do it. It's really, really changed and shaped the way that I lead as a, as a, as a whole, really, because I've got a completely different perspective now. How, how, how has that evolvement then? What does that look like? Um, the change mainly for me, it's, it's a bit boring to be honest, but it's the financials, <laughs> to be honest. No, so it's not boring. when you, when you go, so when you're a team leader, you, you don't really think about the financials. You think about the people. You think about your people, how they're, how they're performing and how you can help them perform moving forward. How can we set these people up for success? As an operations manager, you have to do that, but you have to do that 
with an extra level in pains. And, and that includes ultimately, if I make this decision, what impact is that, that going to have on my bottom line? How much is that, how much is that going to cost me? How much is that going to impact on my, on my gross margin, you know? And before, before I was an operations manager, I just didn't have visibility of that. So I didn't understand, well, if, if, you know, KG goes off for 90 minutes early to go to a, a, an appointment, actually that's going to cost us in terms of billable hours. It's going to cost us in terms of time. It's going to cost us in terms of productivity, etc. So it's all of those things that, you know, I'll be taking back to be in a TL to actually say, well, hold on a minute. Do we, do we need to do this? Do we not need to do this? And, you know, it's a, for me, however, it will always be, is it the right thing to do for the people? And yeah. Essentially. And, yeah. and regardless of money, actually, that's, that's the main thing, really. I think as well, though, you become more, you're just more aware. It, do, it might not necessarily change your decisions. I can remember I when I became CCM and they said, oh, this is your budget, and this is your budget code. And yeah. I must admit, I was like, what's that? And they were like, I thought I had a good month. <laughs> And, yeah. and they were like, right, well, all of those ad hoc coaching sessions you did, all of that time that you took people off the phone equates to this. And actually, yeah. you're the most expensive team we, we've got. And I was like, oh, my God. It just made me think a little, a little bit more. But you're, I know the three of you and where you work very much is about people. And Charlotte, if I can come to yeah. you, when we were talking before hit and record, one of the phrases you said is like happy no happy bees no, you, just, you do it <laughs> happy bees make tasty honey and what does that mean if the workforce are happy then it's better for everyone you know you get less attrition you get less people going off sick and people are more likely to want to do things for you if you ask them to Even if it's something that they don't particularly want to do they will do it because they're happy within the role they know that you won't ask them to do it unless it was absolutely necessary. And that to me is, as long as the agents are happy, they're the core of the business. Without them, I haven't got a job. Without them, nobody's got a job, you know. So they are the most important thing to a business, in my mind, because they're the ones at the forefront of answering calls, whether it's back office or whether it's on the phones. You know, they get they do the day-to-day -day work and they're the people that are representing the business, no matter what business it is, whether it's, you know, an energy company or a, you know, or whether it's an outsourcing or whether it's actually in-house. And without them, I think, you know, it, it makes your job harder if they're not happy. And that kind of mantra, that is your kind of, your north on your compass, mm -hmm. I think is amazing. It, it's just amazing because that's where, that's your default, right? In terms yeah, of... Yeah, 100%. When you're thrown in a million different directions, that's where you keep coming back to. Yeah. As long as my agents are happy, and as long as I, I've done everything I can within my power to make them happy and make their working environment the best it possibly can be, I'm happy with that. And if something needs changing, they tell me. Because I always say to them, unless I know that some, you're not happy with something, I can't make that change. There's no point mm. in saying something to your colleague because they can't make that change either. You need to tell me. If I can't make the change, ask somebody who can. You know, it, it's really important to for the team to be happy I think and how long have you been a team leader now two years two and a bit years I started off as an agent back in 
2015 with DDC and worked my up through I got made a team manager then I got put back down because the campaign ended and then I worked my way back up through lead advisor and uh, TM and I absolutely love my job absolutely love it the people are amazing I just love my team and di- and that's just lovely to hear absolutely amazing when and I guess this is for all of you right when you're an agent did you know straight away that you wanted to to be become team leaders no I don't think I did I was quite happy just sort of plodding along as I was. And then as I got more comfortable in the role and sort of saw how amazing the company are as a whole, I thought, yeah, actually, I want to stay here and I want to progress my career here and potentially want to stay here until the day comes that I retire. You know, and that was at the point where I think, thought, yeah, actually, I really like this company. I love the people I work with. Let's make it happen sort of thing. And Pav, sorry, I interrupted. What were you going to say? Oh, it was pretty much what sort of Charlotte was saying. When I started off as a customer service advisor, I didn't know. Basically, you start a job, don't you? And it's just a job that makes the, you know, meet, meet the end, pay your bills, etc. But actually, it was my management that saw something in me and got me on the development path um, into management. When my my manager was going off for an operation, so they asked me to step up and actually look after the team. And that's where it sort of all started. Can you remember those first few, that first period? It was a long time ago to be honest. It was when I worked at Eon and I think I've been, I've been in management. So I was a manager at Eon for 10 years. I then moved on to operational excellence. So I did a sideways move into that. Then I did change management. Then I left Eon, took redundancy and then I joined DDC as a team leader again. Um, But yeah, I think for, you know, you asked a question like, how has it changed over the years? I think my management style has changed a lot over the years. And I think now over the last few years, I've really got it. I've got the balance right of being able to support my team, understand that they know that I'm there to look after them and they know that I'll go the extra mile as well. You know, because you have the balance between the pressures that you've got from your manager to get things done. And then obviously from uh, supporting your agents as well. So I think I've got balance just about right now. <laughs> but it takes some time, doesn't it? And I think, yes. you know, we were all nodding when you mm. said that. Is that. Does that ring true for you as well, Phil? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, so going back to your, your original question, did I know that I wanted to go into team management? No, to be honest. When you first start working in a contact centre, you kind of, you go into it and you think, oh, this is just going to be a job for now, just while I find something better. And you don't really, you don't really see it as a potential career. Mm. And it absolutely is a potential career. And, you know, it's not like, it's not like that. it's, it's not well paid. It's, it's actually when you get up to the higher echelons, it's decent money, you know, and I don't know why people don't see it as a valid career choice, to be honest with you, because it, it is a valid mm. career choice. I can actually remember, I think I've talked about it before, that moment where I just thought, hang on a minute. <laughs> You're just looking around going, these team leaders are really, they're, they're the same age as me or they're about a year older or whatever. I was like early 20s. And then the contact center manager came in and I was like, wait, they all started on the phones like me. But it's weird because they never mentioned it. It was kind of like something you had to to kind of find out yourself. I think we've got better as an industry now saying, do you know what? Everyone in IT pretty much started on the phones. Everyone yeah. in HR, everyone in training, everyone in finance. You know, and you're like, oh my God, 
this this could be great. I could actually kind of crack on here. Do you how much for all of you? And I'll start this time with you, Pav. When you were when you were being managed, how much did you take from your managers to think I'm going to not do this or I'm going to do this? Were you in that kind of observation mode? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's probably got got me to where I am today. It's seeing things that work for me. So from a personal perspective, actually, how am I being managed and does that actually work for me? And so, and, and if things don't, then tweak them. So I've had mentors where I see, where I see certain managers and I think uh, they do that wonderfully. Now, can I actually spend time with them? Can they be my mentor? Can I learn from them? Can I spend some one-on-one time with them? And then there's other managers that look at and go, no, don't do that. You know, that isn't the way to do it because you're not in the long run, you're not going to get what you want. So absolutely, yes, I have, I have learned from other people's mistakes and achievements, I suppose. And, and Charlotte, for you, this kind of, the key focus being what's, how are my team? How are they individually and collectively? Mm-hmm. Is that, was that based on other leaders you had? Were you, or just innate? Is that kind of? I think it's an innate thing with me. Mm. I, I'm. I always get told that I'm like everybody's mum. I am a genuinely very caring person and I will give you my last penny if you need it. But as well, also from managers, there was one manager who never said bye. And then there was another manager who always made a point of coming around everybody in the contact centre every morning and saying individually, good morning, how are you? Are you okay? Mm. And that was so lovely. And that's something that I try to do. It's harder on teams, obviously, but I always put a quick message in the team's chat saying, hi, morning, I'd be okay. You know, and stuff like this just things like that the little things that make such a massive difference you know especially in this remote world that we live in a little bit of human contact is is sometimes really important you're letting your team know that they matter mm-hmm. yeah. in in a in a tiny way i saw this psychologist talk about that type of those type of what you might say are banal interactions right just kind of patterns are actually it's kindness and it's and it's letting people know that they matter whether that's virtually or 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 face to face you know and it's it's something that i don't know if you've seen this yourself or with colleagues around you or maybe it happened to you when you first become a team leader i can remember thinking you just get i just got given this deluge of extra stuff and it was i i cut my head down a little bit and focused on that and I even had some people from my team feed back and say, we, we haven't seen you for like a week. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just like head down, working away, when in fact, I could have forgotten all of that and just spent time with my, with my team. Because I thought as a new leader, I've got to do, I've got to do important stuff. <laughs> when I first became a team manager back in the day, I sort of made a point of taking everybody on, on my team off phones one by one and just having a 15-minute chat with them just to get to know them. So and then are they married? Are they with somebody? Have they got kids? Have they got dogs? Have they got cats? You know, just so I know about them as a person rather than just them being a person sat on the end of the phone. Mm-hmm. I think that was really important to get to know people on a personal level rather than just, you know, an agent on a phone. Yeah, it's really important that. I, I did exactly the same thing mm-hmm. in my move into, into operations management. So I didn't necessarily know all of the team leaders that I'd be managing moving forward. So I had half an hour with them. As soon as I got there, I was like, hi, how are you? Here's me. Talk to me about you. 
and just have a conversation because, you know, at the end of the day, if you, if we know our people on a personal level, then we can help them. We can help them. We can understand what motivates them and we can, we can change the way that we coach them in order to be yeah. able to get the best out of them. And that's what it's about to me. It's about Love getting it. the best out of people through, through the coaching that, they, that we do with them. So true because everyone responds differently, don't they? And I think that oh, kind absolutely. of, that awareness that actually someone in my team doesn't want me up all up in their grill, kind of <laughs> cheering them on high-fiving mm-hmm. they actually want to be just left alone there if they're if i need you know and that kind of realization that one size doesn't fit all definitely definitely made me uh, a better leader and and pav we we shared a stage recently at an event where you were up on stage given of given a view of what's going on at the front line and how coming out of a pandemic there was some research that somebody else shared about we've come out of a pandemic that we've all been through and it's had an impact we've gone straight into a cost of living crisis at the same time as developments in our industry that mean that our our customer facing colleagues are the agents are getting more complex queries mm-hmm. they're dealing with people that have also been through a pandemic and a more likely to be frustrated and angry or or whatever it may be. And you focused your answer on what you do as a team leader for the well-being of your team. Can you just elaborate yeah. on that a bit? Well, I think it's just it's just really important to look after people and their well-being. And I think from a business perspective, it is actually the key to success, as Charlotte said earlier. If we look after our people. I believe that our KPIs will look after themselves. From a DDC perspective, there's lots of services that we offer to support people's well-being. And again, one size doesn't fit all, such as flexible working requests, you know, if, if yeah, just flexible working requests, reasonable adjustments if people need it, employee assistance program, you know, things like that. So, and it could be from my perspective, it could just be that I point them in the right direction or actually if I need to get involved, then I can actually support them through whatever they need. From a personal perspective, I do have a supporting, nurturing approach to leadership and I want people to want to come to work and I want the best for them. So the things that I sort of do is I create an environment where they feel included, it's engaging and collaborative. So, and I know that everybody else will as well, but we have, you know, our people, most of our people actually work from home at the moment. So actually it could be a really, really challenging environment. However, we do have Things like huddles where they get together each day and we have team meetings every single week. And then we have a team chat as well. So where they are sharing best practice and actually speaking to each other all day long. And I have had people saying to me that it could be really difficult, but just because of the, what what we've created as a team, they love coming to work every day, even though they're only logging on at home. I think communication is also really key. Making time to listen to your people, like Charlotte says, you know, saying hello and just just knowing that you're there, I think my people, my people, I, I'm calling my people, but my, <laughs> yeah. you know, my yeah. people, you know, ha, you yeah, know, yeah. arms around them. But my team know that I'm approachable. They know that I care, and they they also know that I will go the extra mile for them. So, and that creates that created created a really trusted environment. So even though we are all working from home, they know that they can contact me at any point in the day, and I will get back to them because I understand that we have work pressures. 
but people also have their external factors that do impact their well-being and then their performance as well so yeah i hope that sort of answered you know what i just i love it though i love it because i can remember um the first time i became a manager people agents were coming and saying there's no rumor that this is happening but i can never leave joanne's team and i'd be going okay Mm. i get it i get it because i think it's it in a weird kind of way it's a little bit like the army that you don't have to you know individual soldiers didn't necessarily concern themselves with the whys and the wherefores of why they were fighting they were fighting for their unit and they were all they cared about was their sergeant and their colleagues around them because you'd built this within a caring you know if you take ddc i know a lovely company within a caring organization but within that you've got your own little teams where those connections are so strong between mm-hmm. them and and between them and you you know and that kind mm-hmm. of that kind of keeps people going at a time when it, it always has been but it's probably never been tougher to be on the phones mm. we had a lovely thing on our team where one of the agents she was moving house and her husband had just come out of hospital he was really poorly not well at all she had no help at all to move house so there was i think there was about three or four agents that came down and actually helped her move house yeah. you know where else do you get things like that it's so no, like it it's just the fabulous you know it's heartwarming when people do things like that somebody went out i think about an eight mile round trip just go and get some beds for her no ask, no ask of any payment, just did it out of the goodness of the hearts. And it was like they're heartwarming. Yeah, it just that's shows amazing. how close they are. Yeah, that's giving me goosebumps because those types of things are, you just look at that and go, well, because you created that, right? Mm-hmm. You created that. No one else, you did. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was just so heartwarming and lovely. It's just, well, they would do that for any, any of the team. You know, they will go out of their way and help each other as much as possible we've got guys in scotland we've never met but they're really close to everybody else and it's mm. it's gonna sound really cliche but they are like a little tiny work family mm-hmm. you know yeah. it's it's amazing it's just so lovely and it's reassuring to hear actually that you you've you've established these connections within a remote environment mm-hmm. because it's one of the things that i think you hear this kind of some terms like productivity paranoia and things like that, that you can't replicate the same level of people stewardship remotely. But you three, you three guys are evidence in that. Mm-hmm. Has it, have you always worked like that or did you work on site as well? How, what's been the kind of that evolution? So for me, I think it, it's all about, so I've always worked that way, always. And for me, it's about encouraging a level of psychological safety and ensuring that everybody knows that you can be authentically yourself and you, you know, you will be, you'll be treated with equality. Like, you, you know, there's no sort of, there's, there's nothing, you can't say anything wrong, basically, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's a bit left field, like, you know, it's, it's all right. <laughs> that's fine. Let's. You know, we can have a word afterwards, but, you know, like, you know, it's encouraging that psychological safety and ensuring that everybody knows that, you know, they can talk to each other and we're a team. We are like, we always say in DDC, we're we're like a, we say, welcome to the DDC family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And 
and and it's very very much like that and that's that's how i've always wanted to lead people mm-hmm. that's how i've always wanted to lead yeah it's about having respect for each other isn't it and making sure that that even if you've got difference of opinions or different ideals you still respect each other and you treat each other with that mutual respect that you would want yourself absolutely saying that as well though i suppose if there's behaviors that we wouldn't expect mm-hmm. it's i suppose it's nipping that type of behavior in the bud early on yeah really, you, really. you make a really good really. point because i think i've had this isn't devil's advocate because it's a it's a real life experience i very much looked after my team was always with the people and i we got a new manager who said you ju- you're just too bothered about being everyone's friend and i said oh, it's it's <laughs> it's not friendship well it is friendship mm. i don't see anything wrong with that but it doesn't mean to say that i'm not managing behaviors mm-hmm. right Absolutely. and i think that's a fallacy that you you have to be one or the other you have to be either authoritarian mm. or you can be get on with people allow people to question you and challenge you and have this kind of affection for people and still be an effective leader. It was like an old school manager that was going, they don't respect you, you're too friendly with. And as a young leader, you, it makes you doubt yourself. Mm-hmm. You kind of yeah. go, oh, should I become like, really horrible? <laughs> but Martin, you don't, I think this is it. So you can have the tougher, more challenging, difficult conversations, but they happen behind closed doors. So actually, mm-hmm. not everybody will see that. So yeah. it doesn't mean that you're not doing your role and doing the best by everybody. It's just that everybody won't see those certain aspects because they don't need so, to. Yeah. yeah. And I think you also, I can remember I worked for a lady who I just, she was amazing because she took time to find out about me, everything that you guys have talked about. And I did mess up. Yeah. So I was a contact center manager. I messed up. I wasn't doing particularly well. This was an outsourcer. Wasn't doing particularly well on a campaign. And she came, she wanted to talk to me. And when I left her office, I walked past another one of my peers and they said, Oh, what happened in there? And I said, Oh, t- Tara bollocked me. And she, and she said, you've got a big smile on your face. And I went, yeah, I know. Cause it was brilliant. You know I mean? it, it was a, it was like a, a learning experience and because mm-hmm. we had that relationship where i knew she had my back yeah she combined that with telling me things that were difficult to hear yeah. you know and if those you want to be around people like that don't mm-hmm. you that say yeah. look you can't here's something that i want you to try next time you coach because yeah blah 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 or whatever it may be yeah i skipped out of that office i had been told off <laughs> <laughs> She did it the right way then, didn't yeah. she? Yeah, no, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Exactly. How just how big are your teams out of interest? I should have asked you that at the start. I think yeah, I've so got you... 23, 23 oh. people in my team. It's really big. <laughs> yeah, Pav's got the biggest team, definitely. So when I go back to being a team manager, I'll have 14. And I have 17. Yours how do you... As well. How do you ensure i'll start with you then pav how do you ensure that you get to make sure everyone's okay 
I think it's a constant prioritization of tasks. Some days can be better than others and some days everybody wants me. <laughs> so sometimes it is a case of moving my calendar around, etc., looking at what's the most important thing that I need to to look at today and my people come first so I think I will always prioritize them over a meeting etc so yeah that, that's what I do and Charlotte does that from a coaching point of view are all the coaching sessions like this mm-hmm. remote we yeah we do mostly remote if we have some agents that are still in the office so if we can we'll go into the office and do it with them with those agents because it's just nicer to do it side by side rather than doing it remotely. But yeah, we do it all remote. And what we do with our team is, as Pav said, we have a huddle in the morning at sort of like half past eight. Anybody needs anything? Do you want me to stay on the call? And we always check with, do you need me for anything? Before we finish the call, do you need me for anything? Is there anything I can do for anybody? And then on a Friday, we have, we call it our fabulous Friday buzz. So we have... Both team, we have two separate teams on our on the campaign. So we all go into one big call and we have a little bit of fun on a Friday. We have nothing work-related. Sounds really bad, but we don't have no, anything work-related in the meeting. And then we do it all over teams. So each week we'll put a, a vote out to the team and we have suggestions of what we think the backgrounds should be. So we all have different team backgrounds. So this week, I think with it being Shrove Tuesday, we're going to have pancake toppings. <laughs> Nice. Just it's just a little bit of silliness on a Friday. Yeah. You know, they've worked hard all week and we just have a little bit of silliness for 15 minutes on a Friday morning just to, you know, unwind really and yeah. just say thanks for all your hard work. You know, let's have a little bit of a wind down and get ready for the weekend sort of thing. I, I love, love it. that. <laughs> we have we've had the most random of things. We've had rubber ducks. Yes, called tubs, which are rubber ducks. We've had bread, celebrities like you'd like to meet, fancy dinner parties, all sorts. So much fun! <laughs> it is so much fun. I think when you realise that your your team is made up of less seventeen to twenty or whatever amazing human beings that mm-hmm. all bring a, a sense of humour, lived experience, different skills. Finding out about some of your team's outward work passions and skills was a privilege. I, I mm-hmm. just absolutely, absolutely, I absolutely loved it. But it takes time, doesn't it? It takes it takes effort. It's got to be a concerted thing by you as a team leader to want to get to know to get to know your team. As I said, that's sort of why we do the Fabulous Friday. So we have like <laughs> what books your favourite book you've read, or if somebody new comes onto the team, we have get to know you. So something maybe people don't know about you and we have that as a background so everybody finds out something new about each other especially like I say it's mostly done when we get new members on the team so we, they can all find a little bit of something out about each other it's amazing isn't it we found out once someone had written some books underneath a pseudonym and they were a bit racy to say the least <laughs> no, <right. laughs> no. that's so funny on so on coaching and how how we do it, so one thing that I'm really, really looking forward to in terms of going back to being a team manager is on the campaign that I'm going back to, um, we're trialing a hybrid working situation at the minute. So, you know, with for the last couple of years, everybody's been fully remote, nobody comes into the office, et cetera. We're, we're, we're starting to try and you know, get people back in a couple of days a week and, you know, just for people's well-being mainly, just to 
so that people have got some sort of <laughs> some mm. sort of social interaction while they're at work um, mm. because it can feel a bit lonely sometimes I think for mm. me certainly yeah. like I much prefer going in a couple of couple of days a week mm -hmm. and that's when we're going to be doing all of our coaching so we're going to be able to actually do you know face to face sit next to them say hi listen to a couple of calls let's get you split around and you know proper old school let's let's yeah and so i'm really really looking forward to doing that in the next couple of weeks i think it's going to be it's going to be great and i know that from speaking to the tms that my peers that will be going back to i know they've loved it oh. they've loved just having that interaction again with people in a in almost a traditional contact center kind of environment so we're really looking a splitter's like a team manager's stethoscope for a doctor. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And you've you've got to keep hold of you've got to keep hold of them because otherwise they'll go. They'll disappear hundred <laughs> percent. So we're we're completely different ours because we don't do any voice work, we don't have any customer contact at all. So we're all back office, so our coaching is more training and it's completely different to every other campaign in the contact centre. We're quite unique in that way. I love that though. I love the kind of the different challenges that type of thing presents mm -hmm. to you because people still need coaching people because coaching equals progression, right? Mm -hmm. Coaching yeah. equals Definitely. investment. You're evidencing investment in someone mm -hmm. when you sit down and, and coach with them, regardless of whatever the thing is that you're, that you're going to be talking about. If you, have you kind of worked on having those more challenging conversations so for me so for me it's so having challenging conversations with people i i, I like to do it face to face so even mm -hmm. if it's remote i make sure that everybody's got the camera on so that we can we can see each other's body language i suppose mm. and and just make sure that that they're okay more than anything really but for me it's always it's always really, really important that people, if, if I'm going to have to have a challenging conversation with somebody, they already know that challenging conversations mm -hmm. come in because I've already said, oh, what about this? And oh, what about this? And oh, what about this? Let's coach you around this and let's coach you around this. So before it even gets to sort of a document, a conversation or something like that, the person knows that, you know, mm -hmm. it's something they've already got a target in relation to it. That target is always small. It's always something that if they if they haven't then hit that target they know what what the next stage is so mm. it's all about being open and honest with them and you know making sure that they they know as well that i'm not having i'm not having a difficult conversation because i like it mm. i'm having a difficult conversation because we want you to get better at this specific thing and it's something that it, it's something that we can really really grow and develop you in terms of it so it, so having difficult conversations isn't always so always a bad thing because mm. you know it's 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 being able to develop them and being able to push push them to be able to sometimes go out of their comfort zone because it might be something that they don't really want to do do you know what i mean yeah completely mm. completely that, that's how we progress yeah I think from my perspective, I think, in, you know, in terms of challenging conversations, it's making sure that you're prepared for that conversation before you go into it, mm -hmm. just so that you can be really clear and clear with the individual. So they don't leave the conversation thinking, actually, what, what was that about? Yeah. So, so they know exactly what's, what's, what's expected mm -hmm. and being open and transparent, like what Phil's just said. Yeah. And also, like you said, like 
just making sure that they sort of it's not a surprise to them. They know it's been coming because you've had, you know, your 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 expectations, sorry, targets already set beforehand, I suppose, and your coaching actions. Let's say, right, that you are having to talk to a group of agents that have just come in, new hires, yeah. and you are talking to them about becoming a, a team manager. What what would you say the best part of the job is and, and what's the thing that surprised you that you didn't know so let's start with what's the best part of the job for me it's it's seeing people progress and grow yeah within their role yeah. you know there's nothing better than having somebody who's gone from an agent to a lead advisor to a manager and seeing their progression and seeing them grow even we've we've got one agent on our team and he was so quiet he used to walk around the contact centre. He didn't look at anybody. He used to walk with his head down. And he, since he's been on the campaign, he's flourished and grown in confidence. And it's just so lovely to see this, him becoming, you know, a con- more confident person within himself. And it's just amazing. It, that's my favourite part, I think. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely agree with Charlotte. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's it's about watching people grow and yeah. develop that developing people and ensuring that people are developing in the in the best way for them as mm-hmm. well because like you said earlier Martin that people people progress in different ways and mm-hmm. you know it's it's all about making sure that we are agile enough as a as a, as a team manager in order to be able to help That's them true. grow in in the way that they need to grow and in and in the best way for them really so that's it that's the best thing for me yeah I think I'm just gonna I'm just gonna piggyback on what these two have said because it's amazing yeah so it's just heartwarming to see people thrive and grow Mm -hmm. and develop and become more confident and tell me that they want to then become a team a lead agent or a team manager and then I can support them yeah it's great I knew I knew this would be a good one (laughs) because we're we're all exactly the same I know through Chrissy and others, DDC has got a great outlook and, and you three are amazing because just hearing this just makes me smile so much because I think that I'm a bit older and when I look back in my career, it I couldn't tell you any numbers. I couldn't tell you, I could tell you we've had successful campaigns, but that isn't the thing that comes into my head. It is about people. I can name people and say, this guy came to the contact center practically illiterate in an awful situation and in this in a tiny tiny way i've helped but the contact center and everyone around him has massively helped Mm -hmm. he's now a head of sales somewhere lovely family and that happened in in our world as a result of us investing Mm -hmm. taking a chance on someone and that kind of i think everyone's got hundreds of stories like that and it's amazing how we still you know a lot of the time externally there's a negative kind of perception of contact centers when you just think if i was in any of your the three of your team i'd love it i'd love it (laughs) getting carried away now about what about the part of the question has there been anything that has surprised you about being a team leader team manager sorry I think the only thing I'll say is, you know, you go into a role thinking I'm a team leader. However, there's that many hats that you have to put on as a team leader. Mm-hmm. That, that <laughs> I don't think I probably expected when I first started, but now I think it's just a, a norm. Yeah, we we do whatever we need yeah. to. 
Yeah, I think for me, it's the it's the upstream downstream management for me. The the fact that you you kind of have to set expectations for your guys, but also you have to set expectations for your ops manager as well, and you kind of have to manage both. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, that it, that's that took me a long time to get down properly. Took me a long time to get down. It took me a good sort of you know three years or so to do it and do it well. But yeah, it's the, it's that for me. Upstream, downstream. I, I I completely agree, and that was something that was something for me as well is that I did struggle managing up, managing up because I just wanted to spend all of my time with my with my team. But I think you get there after a while, don't you, Charlotte? What about you? Anything that's kind of taken you by surprise? I think, like Pap said, having the different hats that you have to wear within management. I you know you're a confident you're the team leader, you you know, you you everything to, you try, how do I put it? It's sort of like, there's so many different facets of being a team manager. You do sometimes juggling, you know, somebody might need you for a meeting, but you've got somebody who's having a bit of a crisis and, you know, obviously you do that, but you sort of try and say, look, I'll be there when I can. For example, I had somebody the other day phone me on my personal phone when I was on lunch, like, can I speak to you straight away? I'm like, yeah, of course you can. So what's wrong, you know? And it's stuff like that and just like perhaps, you know, and then you're answering to your manager, but you also need to let your team know. And but yeah. yeah, different hats, I think, definitely is the one. I think you evidenced something there as well, again, that people can't prepare you for. You can't be trained to un- to to know how to make the right decisions in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of, and that's why I love for the three of you, as evidenced by you, Charlotte, you're on, it's people first. Yeah. So that kind of, I have to complete this form and then or or deal with someone that needs my help. You you deal with the person mm-hmm. that need needs your help and then you come back to whatever the whatever the the admin is. And but that kind of I think one of the things I found as a challenge was, you know, people that you naturally vibe with in your team, you have mm-hmm. a natural affinity with. And then there's part members of your team that for whatever reason, most of it in your own head, you think, I don't think they connect with me that well or they don't maybe they don't like me that well the thing that i had to keep checking myself on was even though i might not like it as much i've got to spend as much time with everyone in my team and then you know once if you're open-minded then you can develop those kind of the relationships they might look different but they're equally as effective and i found that a kind of I can remember, it's easy for me to admit, because I don't have a team like you, you couldn't, <laughs> you guys couldn't admit this, but I would be like, if I got contacted by someone, I'd be like, oh, okay, deep breath, come on, <laughs> <laughs> you can do this. But it's about that thing that we said at the start of the commitment you guys make is that you're going to meet people where they are, you know, for all their differences. That's what makes it, yeah. that's what makes people amazing. Yeah. Agreed. I love that. And I can relate as well, Martin. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> <laughs> but it's, what, it's why we love the job isn't it mm-hmm. yeah for real yeah yeah absolutely it's all about the people and what do you hope for the for the future when you think about maybe the industry with technology and how we're servicing customers and that so much more is going to self-serve or ai what do you hope for from your perspective for uh, for the industry what does it mean for people, I guess, as well, the people that you're managing? I don't know whether or not it that means that they actually deal with what 
what they need to do. So I suppose if automation takes the easier queries away, then they don't, I don't know if it would make it easier for them or not, because obviously it's the more difficult queries that are coming through. Mm. It just means for me, it just means making sure that information is readily available for them to be, make sure that they can get upskilled as soon as possible and know where to find information. Because obviously we, I, I lead a web chat team. So obviously they need to have information at hand to be able to service those customers quickly and have that support available as well. Mm. Really good point. I think for me, where, so I, th I think even with automation and, you know, technology getting so much better and it makes it, it, it being so much easier for customers to get information from the internet or their apps or whatever it might be, there's always going to be an element of somebody just needs to speak to somebody. I, 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 I did it the other day. I was, I was frustrated with something. I think it was my broadband. I just wanted to speak to somebody over there. I didn't want to have to go online and do a web chat and wait for that to come through and then get a notification when it came through and then, oh, I didn't get to it in time. So now it's closed. I've got to start again, etc. I just wanted to speak to somebody about it. And I think that demand is always going to be there. Uh, so while it may lessen in the future, and I'm talking, you know, 10, 15 mm. years time, while it may lessen in the future, it, it, people will still want to have that human on human interaction. Mm. Uh, so uh, overall, I think it's always going to be there. The demand is always going to be there. Just took the words out of my mouth, I feel. Uh, there's mm. always going to be somebody who want, who needs or wants to speak to a human mm. being. Not everybody is computer literate. Not everybody has got a mm. smartphone. And some people just like to phone up and it might be the only conversation they have in a day. Mm. You know, if they're quite isolated and they just want to speak to a human being, that may be the opportunity that they get. Mm -hmm. Well, look, guys, this, I'm so, I'm so pleased. This is the 150th episode. I, I love, I love your outlook. I love what you do on behalf of the industry. Thanks for just being awesome team managers, team leaders. So Phil, Charlotte and Pav, thank you very much for coming on Get Out of Rap. Thank, thank you. So thank you. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Wasn't that great? A great way to celebrate 150 episodes. Thank you so much for listening and take care of yourselves.